Hi everyone, it's Joe Wigand from Medora, North Dakota, gateway to Theodore Roosevelt National Park and home to the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation. With their help, we're starting Teddy Talks. The April program is called 26 Days with the 26th President. Each and every day, I'll be reading at length from some of what uh, Theodore Roosevelt wrote and spoke during his lifetime. Uh, as we go through, uh, I hope that you'll understand why Theodore Roosevelt at the State Fair in Minnesota on Labor Day 1901 told the people there to speak softly and carry a big stick. You will go far. Teddy Talks are proudly presented by the Theodore Roosevelt Medora Foundation in Medora, North Dakota. To learn more about visiting or supporting our mission to connect people to the Badlands for positive, life-changing experiences, go to Medora.com. Now, enjoy the pod. Good morning. And welcome to Teddy Talks for today, Thursday, May 21st, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Wiegand, coming to you from Medora, North Dakota. Uh, that's where in 1883, Theodore Roosevelt, 25 years old, disembarked the Northern Pacific train at two o'clock in the morning that September of 83. And his destiny was to be a cattle rancher here for a few years on his rise like a rocket to the presidency of the United States. Uh, coming to the presidency at 42 years and 11 months, still our youngest president in American history. Uh, we've got some wonderful programs ahead to conclude this week with Teddy Talks. Uh, on Friday, May 22nd, remarks in Tacoma and Olympia, Washington, uh, May 22nd, 1903, during TR's great tour of the West. Saturday, May 23rd, Still out west and in, Se uh, in Seattle in 1903, remarks to the Arctic Brotherhood and at an Alaska reception. At Teddy Talks, we want to reach back to the things that Theodore Roosevelt wrote, did, and said, very often uh, finding uh, the uh, correlation with that date in TR history uh, from those, uh, those times ago. The uh, Teddy Talks will uh, not be held on Sunday, and then we'll have one more full run of Monday through Saturday programs to conclude the month of May. And beginning in June, we're going to change the Teddy Talks format to a Saturday morning once a week as we get busy here in Medora, gateway to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, home of the Medora musical. And we have announced uh, on this Saturday and Sunday at the Old Town Hall Theater, the Teddy Roosevelt Show starts its run We'll do so, all of our activities, under the North Dakota Smart Restart uh, Guidelines. And uh, the Medora Musical is going to uh, begin its run June 19th. The Medora Gospel Brunch beginning June 24th. So we're getting busy here again in Medora, where I enjoy bringing Theodore Roosevelt, my interpretation and entertaining presentation as Theodore Roosevelt, up on stage. It was his daughter, Alice, who said famously of her father, Father wanted to be the bride at every wedding, the corpse at every funeral, and the baby at every christening. There's a good deal of license that comes to an entertainer uh, when you get to know Theodore Roosevelt's material and his life, and 
I'm delighted to do that stage work here in Medora. Look forward to seeing you here. But in the busyness then, we've, uh, uh, we're going to scale back the time that we've been sharing online. Maybe it's all time, uh, time for all of us to get outdoors a little bit more, even if it's just in your own garden in the backyard and maybe a, a hike uh, uh, with uh, friends at a good social distance. Come on out to uh, Medora. We'll hike the Matahay, take you up to the Elkhorn Ranch and read to you from uh, uh, TR's remarks there. On this date in TR history, uh, and in the, the history that I, uh, again, review, because I think that late 18th, early 19th history is knit up into Theodore Roosevelt. His own study of the history of humanity, the ancient civilizations of mythology on through uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the rise of civilization. It's, uh, it's uh, wonderful to try to read just a little bit of what Theodore Roosevelt read and, and to try to learn and know just a little bit of what Theodore Roosevelt knew and learned. On this date, May 21st, 1856, in Lawrence, Kansas, now, that city is captured and burned by pro-slavery forces in the, uh, the terrible conflict we now know as uh, Bloody Kansas or Bleeding Kansas, where the idea of uh, popular sovereignty advanced by Senator Stephen Douglas, that in a, in a territory that would hope to become a state, that the, the people would vote about whether that state would be a slave state or a, a free state. May 21st, 1856, that same date, but uh, in the other America, from yesterday's speech Theodore Roosevelt made at the Pan American Expo, two Americas, and the other America being South America, and that, uh, uh, May 21st, 1856, the birth in Montevideo, Uruguay, of Jose Batel y Ordonez, the Uruguayan journalist and politician president of Uruguay twice, his second term coinciding with Theodore Roosevelt's visit uh, to Uruguay on his way to the exploration of the River of Doubt, the Rio da Duvida. And so on the 4th of November 1913, uh, President uh, Batal uh, hosted a luncheon in honor of Colonel Theodore Roosevelt at the government house in Montevideo. Just to show what uh, politics can be, uh, in 1920, after his presidency and after a time serving as chairman of the National Council of Government, Battle killed uh, a, 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 an opponent, Washington Beltran Barbout, uh, another National Party deputy, in a formal duel that stemmed from vitriolic editorials that two men had published against one another. Uh, uh, Battle's uh, uh, son would become a president of uh, Uruguay as well, or a nephew, I'm sorry. May 21st, 1878, the birth in Hammondsport, New York, that's in the Finger Lakes region, of Glenn Hamwood Curtis, Glenn H. Curtis. Uh, he was the American aviator, motorcycling pioneer, founder of the first U.S. aircraft industry, known as the father of naval aviation as well for the work he did training Navy and Army pilots uh, at San Diego, uh, the uh, Naval Air Station North Island now referred to as the birthplace of naval aviation. Of course, this near and dear to uh, Theodore Roosevelt's heart. May 21st, 1881, the American Red Cross is established by Clara Barton in Washington, D.C. And you may know that Theodore Roosevelt's daughter, Ethel uh, Roosevelt Derby, would serve on the National Board of the Red Cross and her formal portrait uh, would be commissioned with, uh, uh, with Ethel wearing her Red Cross uniform. May 21st, 1911, the President of Mexico, Porfirio Diaz and the revolutionary Francisco Madero signed the Treaty of Ciudad Juarez to put an end to the fighting between the forces of both men, concluding the initial phase of the Mexican Revolution. The years following would find a great deal of uh, uh, challenge between the United States and Mexico uh, during the uh, Wilson administration. May 21st, 1927, and again May 21st, 1932, 
These are the two transatlantic solo crossings. Uh, the same dates, these are the landing dates for Charles Lindbergh touching down in Laure Bourget Field in Paris, uh, completing the first world's first, uh, the world's first solo nonstop across the Atlantic. And five years later to the day, May 21st, 1932, uh, Amelia Earhart becoming the first uh, female uh, uh, to do so. I thought uh, we've got an, an opportunity here quickly to uh, read to you two different descriptions of uh, the, uh, the landings uh, in their own words. Here's what Lindbergh wrote in uh, 1927. I first saw the lights of Paris a little before 10 p.m. Or, or 5 p.m. New York time, and a few minutes later, I was circling the Eiffel Tower at an altitude of about 4,000 feet. 10,000 uh, awaited Charles Lindbergh at the airport. Here's what Amelia Earhart uh, wrote of, uh, of her landing. After scaring most of the cows in the neighborhood, I pulled up in a farmer's backyard. As she had somewhat lost her way, she asked the farmer where she was. In Gallagher's pasture, he replied. At landing uh, in a field, a farm field in Ireland, uh, she had become the first woman to cross the Atlantic on a solo flight. Uh, uh, two very different landings in Europe. Finally, on this date, May 21st, 1935, the death in Chicago of Jane Addams. American activist and author founded the whole house. She would win the Nobel Peace Prize. She seconded Theodore Roosevelt's nomination by the Progressive Party, making her seconding speech in Chicago in that 1912 Progressive Convention. Uh, her name is spelled with two Ds. Uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln called her father, uh, an early Republican leader in the northwestern section of Illinois, his double D Adams to uh, uh, differentiate him from the other Adamses that were supporting his Republican candidacy. Two briefer speeches today uh, from Theodore Roosevelt. The first, on this date, 1902, the unveiling of the Soldiers and Sailors Monument under the auspices of the National Society of Colonial Dames of America. This at Arlington National Cemetery in Arlington, Virginia, on this date, 1902. Mrs. President and members of the Society, and you, my comrades, and finally, officers and men of the regular army, whom we took as our models in the war four years ago. It is a pleasure to be here this afternoon to accept in the name of the nation the monument put up by your society to the memory of those who fell in the war with Spain. A short war, a war that called for the exertion of uh, only the merest fraction of the giant strength of this nation but a war the effects of which will be felt through the centuries to come because of the changes it wrought. It is eminently appropriate that the monument should be unveiled today, the day succeeding that on which the free Republic of Cuba took its place among the nations of the world as a sequel to what was done by those men who fell and by their comrades in 98. And here, where we meet to honor the memory of those who drew the great prize of death in battle, a word in reference to the survivors. I think that one lesson everyone who was capable of learning anything learned from his experience in that war was the old, old lesson that we need to apply in peace quite as much, the lesson that the man who does not care to do any act until the time for heroic action comes does not do the heroic act when the time does come. 
You, all of you, remember, comrades, some man, it is barely possible, some of you remember being the man who, when you enlisted, had a theory that there was nothing but splendor and fighting and bloodshed in the war, and then had the experience of learning that the first thing you had to do was to perform commonplace duties and perform them well. The work of any man in the campaign depended upon the resolution and effective intelligence with which he started about doing each duty as it arose, not waiting until he could choose the duty that he thought sufficiently spectacular to do, but doing the duty that came to hand. That is exactly the lesson that all of us need to learn in times of peace. It is not merely a great thing, but an indispensable thing that the nation's citizens should be ready and willing to die for it in time of need. And the presence of no other quality could atone for the lack of such readiness to lay down life if the nation calls. But in addition to dying for the nation, you must be willing and anxious to live for the nation, or the nation will be badly off. If you want to do your duty only when the time comes for you to die, the nation will be deprived of valuable services during your lives. I never see a gathering of this kind. I, I never see a gathering under the auspices of any of the societies which are organized to commemorate the valor and patriotism of the founder of this nation. I never see a gathering composed of the men who fought in the great civil war or in any of the lesser contests in which this country has been engaged without feeling the anxiety to make such a gathering feel each in his own, his or her heart, the all-importance of doing the ordinary, humdrum, commonplace duties each day as those duties arise. A large part of the success on the day of battle is always due to the aggregate of the individual performance of duty during the long months that have preceded the day of battle. The way in which a nation arises to a great crisis is largely conditioned upon the way in which its citizens have habituated themselves to act in the ordinary affairs of the national life. You cannot expect that much will be done in the supreme hour of peril by soldiers who have not fitted themselves to meet the need when the need comes. And you cannot expect the highest type of citizenship in the periods when it is needed if that citizenship has not been trained by the faithful performance of ordinary duty. What we need most in this republic is not special genius, not unusual brilliancy, but the honest and upright adherence on the part of the mass of the citizens and of their representatives to the fundamental laws of private and public morality, which are now what they have been during recorded history. We shall succeed or fail in making this republic what it should be made I will go a little further than that, what it shall and must be made. Accordingly, as we do or do not seriously and resolutely set ourselves to do the tasks of citizenship, and good citizenship consists in doing the many small duties, private and public, which in the aggregate make it up. Theodore Roosevelt, on this date, 1902, Arlington, Virginia. Do visit that national cemetery. Uh, you can uh, visit uh, the Iwo Jima Marine Corps Memorial and Theodore Roosevelt Island, all within the same little visit there to Arlington, Virginia. We'll conclude today. I mentioned getting busy. I've got a conference call or a Zoom or a video chat or whatever it may be coming up next. I, I think that's my reminder ding. 
We'll conclude with the remarks at the dedication of the Lewis and Clark Memorial in Portland, Oregon. You can visit this memorial. It's a, a beautiful, again, a little obelisk. Uh, it's uh, set on a pedestal, red brick below. It's in a beautiful part of uh, Portland. I, I, is it called Washington Park up on the hill? Beautiful zoo and rose garden during the Rose Festival. It's a wonderful place uh, in bloom, as is all of Portland. And my dear friends at the Oregon Historical Society, Carrie Timchik, uh, Rachel, and others, thank you so very much for your kind hospitality. We mentioned uh, William uh, Fargo's uh, birthday yesterday, namesake for our Fargo, North Dakota. Wells Fargo Bank has been the sponsor of the Teddy Roosevelt uh, tour uh, uh, across Oregon with the Oregon Historical Society. So, uh, to my friends in Oregon. Mr. Mayor, and you, my fellow citizens, we come here today to lay a cornerstone of a monument that is to call to mind the greatest single pioneering feat on this continent, the voyage across the continent by Lewis and Clark, which rounded out the ripe statement, statesmanship of Jefferson and his fellows by giving to the United States all of the domain between the Mississippi and the Pacific. Following their advent came the reign of the fur trade, and then some 60 years ago, those entered in whose children and children's children were to possess the land. Across the continent in the early 40s came the ox-drawn, white-topped wagons bearing the pioneers, the stalwart, sturdy, sunburned men with their wives and their little ones who entered into this country to possess it. You have built up here this wonderful commonwealth, a commonwealth great in its past and in infinitely greater in its future. It was a pleasure to me today to have as part of my escort the men of the Second Oregon, who carried on the expansion of our people beyond the Pacific as your fathers had carried it on to the Pacific. Speaking to you here, I do not have to ask you to face the future high of heart and confident of soul. You could not assume any other attitude and be true to your blood, true to the position in which you find yourselves on this continent. I speak to the men of the Pacific Slope, to the men whose predecessors gave us this region because they were not afraid, because they did not seek the life of ease and safety, because their life training was not to shrink from obstacles but to meet and overcome them. And now I ask this nation, go forward as it has gone forward in the past. I ask that it shape its life in accordance with the highest ideals. I ask that our name be a synonym for truthful and fair dealing with all the nations of the world. And I ask two things in connection with our foreign policy, that we never wrong the weak and that we never flinch from the strong. Base is the man who inflicts a wrong, and base is the man who suffers a wrong to be done uh, to be done him. We have met to commemorate a mighty pioneer feat, a feat of the old days, when men needed to call upon every ounce of courage and hardihood and manliness they possessed in order to make good our claim to this continent. Let us, in our turn, with equal courage, equal hardihood and manliness, carry on the task that our forefathers have entrusted to our hands. Let us resolve 
that we shall leave to our children and our children's children an even mightier heritage than we received in our turn. Theodore Roosevelt, May 21st, 1903, beautiful hillside uh, on the west side of Portland. Uh, the uh, community of Portland uh, in its history knows that a time capsule was buried uh, at the monument. But uh, in modern days, uh, no looking at the archives, no searching the, uh, the ground with sonogram has uh, led to the uh, rediscovery of that particular time capsule. So there's a little treasure hunting to be done uh, in the future. You've been so very kind to join us here today at Teddy Talks. I look forward to seeing you again uh, tomorrow on Friday, remarks in Tacoma and Olympia, Washington, and on Saturday, not only those remarks in Seattle again on May 23rd with regards to Alaska, but the year prior, speaking actually on shipboard at sea on a French uh, battleship or destroyer. So uh, remarks from May 23rd and 24th, speaking of Admiral Rochambeau and the French Navy at sea and in Washington, D.C., uh, for the unveiling of a statue to Rochambeau. It's been a delight to be with you. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye, good luck, and we'll see you again tomorrow at Teddy Talks. Bye. -bye.